0: Hello, welcome to Art Lives, a series of interviews with artists of all media. My name is Elizabeth de la Mater, and I am a musician, which means that I study, play, and teach music in many different places, including concert halls and living rooms, classrooms, forests, and beaches. Because every work of art is unique, And because our society enjoys and utilizes art in myriad ways, every artist's life is unique. On this podcast, we talk with artists one-on-one about their art, their lives, and how they navigate the world. This is the first of two episodes featuring Greg Duzinski, a saxophonist, a composer, and an educator based in Chicago. Greg is introspective and honest as he shares his experience as a musician, first a student, then with the Navy, and now as a freelancer. Greg and I first met in our undergrad music program, so what you are about to hear is actually just the latest entry in a three-decade-long discussion. By the way, I accidentally say Army instead of Navy at one point in the interview, I truly apologize. I know that that distinction is very important to many people. Here is the first half of my conversation with Greg Tuzinski.
1: You were talking about um, the idea of becoming a part of your community. And I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about this the other night. And we were talking about it in the context of, uh, of supporting each other as, as artists and musicians in, in Chicago. And he had mentioned that a lot of people contact him because he curates various um, series and performance series and things like that at different areas in Chicago and people will contact him looking for a, looking for a date like hey can i play on your your series at elastic arts or can i play on your series at whatever yeah and um, you know he 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 will always you know he'll always say yes and he'll always be supportive and all that but it's like you know i've never seen you at a at a performance i
0: oh right so these people don't come to his
1: other events so yeah some of them, some of them some of them don't And that, you know, I I think it's... This is all by way of saying I think it's really important that we really make an effort to become members and citizens of our communities, you know, whatever that community is, whether it's the larger community of the city or the town that we live in or whether it's an individual community of percussion players or musicians or artists or, you know, whatever, whatever that that sub-community is. I think we have to really work constantly at being a good and involved citizen of that community
0: when we were both in school we went to school undergrad together yes we did i remember being told things like you gotta hang out and you gotta be present but not in a creepy way (laughs) right or if I, or maybe it wasn't said in that way. I remember thinking, "Well, what's the balance?" And I didn't process it at the time as, uh, "You, you got to want to be part of the community." Right. I remember instead thinking, "Well, this is just sh- uh, learning to schmooze without schmoozing." Mm-hmm. It didn't. I didn't think as far or as as thoroughly through, and maybe as humanely as you are
1: well it's it's not you know it'd be very easy to pursue that as in what's the right word inauthentic or unauthentic i don't know in a I'm not a authentic this is where not, i say i'm a drummer <laughs> a not authentic way of saying okay i'm solely hanging to uh yeah to forward my own um uh, career or my own aspirations yeah but uh, i i think as you say i don't think that's right i think you know it on some sense and in some sense and on some level you have to want to be a part of the community and you have to do it from a from a place of just wanting to wanting to contribute and not wanting to um, consume right
0: and When I was really young, I just wanted to play and participate. Um, And I just wanted to be a part of it. And I think then maybe the training or maybe our our necessary focus, uh, the solo time that we must dedicate, being alone, sometimes interferes. I think that's what happened with me. Then I forgot to... Maybe go back out to the scene for a while.
1: You know, someday there's going to be data available. Um, if there's not already, I don't know, but I'm convinced that someday there will be data available that shows that people like us, um, people who, for their, for their craft, for the development of their work, have to be apart from a social situation. From other people, have to be have to pursue their work in solitude. Yeah um there's going to be data that shows that that contributes to social anxiety that contributes to um not being able to relate to other humans in a normal way because (laughs) anytime and i think i'll bet you've had the same experience just hanging out with other musicians it can be awkward
0: (laughs) it can be really
1: socially awkward sometimes yeah because none of us know how to interact with each other because we're most comfortable by ourselves in a room locked away with our instrument
0: or on stage. Sure. I'm fine if, if 100 people are on stage. Yeah. And we're playing together.
1: Yeah. But like sitting at the bar afterwards, starting to have a drink and we just chat. It's <laughs> I, was, I was driving to a gig last night with a friend of mine. And uh, he, he, we're, we're both very, you know, we're very good friends. And it's just, we're driving along. And we're in the car. and It's like, want to put the Cubs game on? Yes, please. <laughs>
0: Well, then I wonder what the data is going to show about the what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Right,
1: right. Are people with those kinds of tendencies, social anxiety tendencies, are they more drawn to a life in the arts or a life in music, or does a life in the arts contribute to that? I don't know. Right.
0: And I have had uh, some <clears throat> students where I've said, you have to become more comfortable being alone. hmm um, you're forgetting about the the time you are spending alone. And I saw a great lecture by a colleague to his students. He saw that as a general problem one year.
1: You know, I never, I never had, to, I never struggled with with solitude. That that was never a problem for me. I don't know if it was for you, but um, no, the, the the parts of of our development, the parts of our work that we continue to do that require that kind of solitude, that. That's a welcome friend to me. That I do not mind that one bit. The harder part is just interacting with the other humans, <laughs> which, uh, which you know, as as musicians, is a big part of what we have to do, and and just the the business of presenting our art requires that on so many different levels too. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. So. I told you that you could talk about whatever you want, but I do have a direct question that relates to that. So with all of that in mind, you last year moved to a new country, a country you'd lived in before, but a new country, a new city, and all of a sudden uh, a new community, and you had to deal with new people. Mm -hmm. Gross. (laughs) Gross. Because you did want to play with those people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, w- you'd done it before, but did, did you have new anxiety about it, or were you already prepared?
1: Well, let me give a little context about that first. Just, okay. Um, uh, the, for 23 years up until actually a, like almost a year ago today, it's very, very close to being a year. Um, sorry, okay, will get closer. <laughs> <laughs> For 23 years, I was a, uh, a saxophonist with the uh, with the Navy Music Program, the U.S. Navy Music Program, and I was I traveled all over the world as a as a saxophone player and later as more of an administrator in that in that in that organization. And the the reality of that job was motion, constant movement. Every two or three years, you're moving to a new place. You're inserting yourself into a new community. You're meeting new people, which. Yeah. When, when, uh, I guess when you ask, was uh, is that something I had thought about or prepared for? That, that piece of that life kind of prepares you for that. And, right. You know, just having to pull up your roots, move to a new place, set down roots again, establish new contacts, establish new relationships. That was something that I was used to. Um, but the big change that um, you're speaking about last year was I left that life. I left that community. I left that, that, uh, that infrastructure that surrounds that. And in the Navy or in service bands or there, there are probably lots of organizations that you could draw this parallel to. But there's a built-in infrastructure around it.
0: Yes, for when you move to the new place. Right.
1: Um, there's all sorts of support available to you. There's um, almost a ready-made community of friends and people that you're going to meet who all have that shared experience because they all do the same thing. Right. Um, so that was a little bit different for me is, is moving into a world where fewer people have that shared experience.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the to to get to your, your your question, yes, it did trigger a lot of anxieties for me and it's uh it's still something I'm I'm wrestling with a lot. And the way it the way it kind of manifests itself is it it's almost a uh I, I hate to use clinical terms because I, I don't know what they mean, but <laughs> it, it's almost this, this strange kind of manic thing where I'll go for weeks and weeks and weeks of being very, very social uh-huh. and, you know, out every night either playing or supporting others who are playing or, or whatever. And then I'll, I'll, I'll retreat into my, into my shell for weeks at a time Sure. after that. So that's something I'm working on, trying to balance right now.
0: Well, that makes t- complete sense because you didn't have a choice. Well, you, you may have had some choice, but you didn't have much of a choice on many of your activities while you were in the Navy.
1: Sure. Yeah. Your your schedule is designed for you. Your your gigs are gotten for you. Your tours are all set up for you. You pretty much. Well, I mean, this is this isn't a uh, this is a uh, ex- you know, an exaggeration of how easy it is, but there's yeah. a, there's an aspect where you pretty much just have to show up, look at the call board, and say, okay, this is what I'm doing tomorrow, and there's nothing else you have to do to uh, facilitate that job happening. Right. Whereas, it, you know, as we know, in the, in the world that I'm living in now, in the world that you've lived in, you know, your whole life, you as the artist, to present your work, you have to do everything. You have to make the contacts with the venue you have to make all the logistical arrangements for your colleagues all those things that you have to do just the the project you're doing with this podcast the logistics you have to handle you know it's it's a lot
0: true has anything been a surprise in the last year
1: um the thing that surprised me the most and it's still—I still kind of pinch myself about it. I'm—I I like to think of myself as an optimistic person, but I'm not entirely sure I am because I'm always looking for the other shoe to drop or mm-hmm. for you know, okay, now the real stuff is going to start to happen and everything's going to spin out of control or whatever. Oh no! But um, the thing that I've been surprised at the most—and pleasantly so—is how quickly and how fully. Um, The people that I've begun to meet and work with in in Chicago have embraced me, for lack of a better word. Um, I'm playing with some of the best musicians in the world right now, um, and every morning I wake up, it's, uh, you know, again, I'm pinching myself and waiting for the other shoe to drop and waiting for them to realize, oh, you know, we made a mistake with this guy. (laughs) (laughs) But... The community in Chicago is very warm, very yeah. welcoming, very open, um, and that was—I I hate to say—I'm surprised by it. But I was just—I expected things to take longer. I expected mm-hmm. it to take longer to be able to begin to work on any kind of a meaningful level, in a in a in a in a community that's as strong as the community in Chicago would be.
0: Yeah. Well, that's—I mean—that's pretty awesome. But I think that you've been a musician for quite a long time, and you i mean you talk about the army is just pointing you towards that direction and and you just doing it like a good soldier but you always had side projects yes and you uh did your own album while you were in the navy that's right uh you also went back to school to graduate school mm. so um i mean i i'm not in the chicago jazz scene but i would say to me, you earned it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that that, um, I appreciate that. It's it's not the way I like to think about it, though. Sure. Um, uh, I, I I don't feel any more or less um, deserving, yeah, of, of a of anything than anybody else. I I just.
0: Do you think what the way you're feeling is a little? Um, healthy or do you think it's maybe uh, bordering on imposter syndrome that some of <laughs> some other people I won't mention myself have at times
1: um I I suspect there's a good bit of it there and I think yeah. if you were to talk to a, an old therapist of mine she would tell you that there's <laughs> a lot of it there <laughs> um yeah I, I I think that that's I think that's a part of it but I mean that's just that is a part of the way my brain works yeah you know that's for better or for worse, that noise and that inner dialogue that contributes to things like imposter syndrome and contributes to, you know, social anxiety and all the stuff that we're talking about. That's just, that's, that's part of my, that's part of my, my neurological makeup. And, um, I can learn to deal with it. I can learn to manage it and I can learn to live with it. But I've kind of, I don't know, maybe this is, maybe this is premature of me to say but i've kind of given up on i'm trying to cure it i don't think that oh gosh
0: yeah
1: you know i don't think that 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 outcome exists i think it's just something we we learn to accept that that this is part of us and it's only part of us it's just this one little thing that makes up the what's the word the gestalt of
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> of, all, of everything that we are
0: so how do you manage
1: it Meditation helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think before we before we clicked on, we were talking about something, and you had mentioned it was a very Buddhist way to look at things. Um, I'm uncomfortable calling myself a Buddhist. I, I, I just because there are so many cultural things that go along with with making a declaration like that. Yeah. Um, but but um, I maintain a meditation practice pretty regularly that helps a lot with things like that and I talked to some people both um sort of in the clinical world and in the I don't know what you would call it the spiritual world maybe Mm -hmm. who uh who have shared some ideas and shared some thoughts about what what has worked for them yeah and I'm trying to adopt those things and it's helped a lot it's helped a lot
0: you're also very disciplined with your music
1: Yeah, and you know, music and practice for me as is as much a meditation as sitting on a cushion for you know forty minutes at a day. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I want to say it's the saxophonist Chris Potter, but I'm not sure about that. And it it was an interview with a saxophonist, and let's just say it was Chris Potter. I'm not certain it was, but um, he talks about um, practicing and. He was talking with uh, someone at NYU, one of the one of the coordinators of the program at NYU, and for whatever reason, Chris was like Chris was looking for a place to practice for a couple hours. Sure. And he he mentioned to this guy. Hey, can you know is there a space I can use a practice room or whatever that I could I could just practice for a couple hours, and the administrator said Chris Potter still has to practice Uh and it it it, kind of led to this whole conversation where Chris talks about you know practicing the saxophone you know aside from just the mechanics and everything we have to do to keep the machine oiled it's it's the way that his mind is set right to be able to deal with just being in the world right it sounded a lot like People who meditate, or people who have some kind of spiritual practice, or whatever, yeah. the same the same kind of language with the same kind of uh, subtext yes. was uh, was was in the statement that Chris made. And you know, after hearing that and thinking about it, you know, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I need to practice a lot more than Chris Potter does, as far as just keeping the machine going. Mm. But at the same time, I understand what he's talking about. Of just just the the act of of practicing is it's a meditation for me it helps quiet things it helps me just deal with the world in a better way and when I don't do it for you know a block of time I really begin to feel it not only in just you know stiffness or execution but just in the way that I'm the way that I move through life is different when I'm not practicing Uh uh-huh yeah
0: you're married yes does uh, i mean i f- i'm sure you probably talked about this but with your wife but does she notice it if without you talking about it if you if you t- two are traveling and you haven't practiced
1: does i she- i suspect she does yeah. um we there's so much between stephanie and I. stephanie's my wife that uh is it, at this point in our relationship it's just become nonverbal yeah <laughs> but i i do remember i do remember one one incident that happened this was a number of years ago it's when we were living in italy for the first time while i was still in the uh, in the navy band and the band in italy that i was in it was primarily a touring group right um, we would it was at that time it was a, a big band a jazz ensemble that would just essentially tour throughout throughout europe and north africa um, doing what the easiest way to describe it would be like USO shows.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And there was a period of time that because of some, some unrest that was going on at at a couple different places in Europe, I think it was like in in Kosovo and, and Bosnia at the time, there was some stuff happening that curtailed a lot of our touring that curtailed a lot of our ability to go out and do the things that we would typically be doing. And, um, I do remember Stephanie saying she noticed it then huh. when I was when I was had gone from a point of of being on the road a lot and playing a lot to just sort of sitting around and not doing anything. Yeah, she said it, it was a little bit harder to live with me for uh. that for that period of time. Uh, kind of taking the thinking of it as the you familiar with the film Apocalypse Now? Yes. Like the first ten minutes of that in of that movie where uh, Martin Sheen is just in the hotel room. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's you know not that dramatic, but yeah. that you know that's the way, that's the way my brain starts to feel after yeah. a while.
0: I think that uh, some people who who first um, get into relationships with an with an artist and are surprised at say how much time uh, that artist spends either practicing or doing um, or thinking about the art. Um, Maybe what they don't know is what happens when when they the artist can't do it, mm-hmm. and how much worse things can get.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it's so important that you know the 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 people we 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 choose, and I hate to say choose as partners because that sounds very calculated. But like the people that end up being our partners uh-huh. for for whether um as, you know, our close circle of friends or our husband's wives, significant others, you know, uh-huh. whatever. It's so important that there's a, there's an understanding there. Right. And it's not something, I don't believe anyway, I don't believe it's something that you can fabricate. I think that that understanding, you, you can cultivate it, but right. it's not something that you can, you know, conjure from nothing. Right. Does that does that make any sense? You, no. You I've,
0: yeah, I've, I've I've tried to explain it. I've seen people try to explain it. Mm-hmm. And um, because it, you could take it very personally. I can't. I can't be there for your birthday.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't think you ever stop feeling bad about it. Like when you have oh, to, geez. when you have to uh, make that kind of a choice or whatever. Right. Um, and regardless of how understanding. The person on the other side of the table is from you when you're having that conversation. Mm -hmm. At least, I I never stop, you know, just feeling a a little, little twinge of pain right in my heart when I have to do things like that. Yeah, but, you know, thankfully, thankfully that uh, thankfully we've got people that uh, that understand that.
0: Right. Did the did your Navy job give you, um, at first, at least, did it give you? Um, more or less security to be able to be, to otherwise be with your family.
1: I I think security is a really good word for it. I think that's, if I had to choose one thing that the, uh, that military music and and the Navy band job or any of those kinds of job, army band or force band, you know, whatever, all those those kinds of jobs. One thing that it, it provides is security in a way that, um, I'll speak specifically about musicians. I know we're talking about artists in general, but I'll speak specifically about musicians right now. Um, It gives a a level of security that most professional musicians will never enjoy in their career. Yeah. Um, Unless you're lucky enough to have a a, a top-tier symphony job or something along those lines. Because one of the things that military music offers is the entire... Kind of traditional package that you would think of about having a job, in that you're you're salaried, you are you have health care, you all of these things yeah. that you know, you know seem like you know when I talk to my father about it. Well, of course, I mean that's having a job. You know, <laughs> you, you have a you have a salary, you have health care, all that. That's part of having a job, but I mean that's not the reality of of being a musician or being an artist. You know, right? So in in that sense, um yes, uh, the security that those, that those jobs provide allowed, it allowed me, and I've seen it allow a lot of my friends and colleagues, the, uh, the ability to be a lot more, a lot more open to pursuing their own, um, their own projects in a way where their first thought didn't have to be, you know, survival. Their first yeah. thought didn't have to be some kind of a uh, a fiscal question about how is it you know how am I going to monetize this or how am I going to be able to you know live yeah and it, it continues to be that way because another positive thing and I don't want to make this into a whole like recruiting thing but the, another positive thing about it is that um if you if you do the job for twenty years you're eligible to quote unquote retire with again a, a very traditional way of looking at that in that you have a pension, you maintain health care, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Amazing. It, it really is. Um, and it, excuse me, if it weren't for that, I would not be able to be doing what I'm doing now. And, you know. Yeah. So, so every day that's something I'm incredibly thankful for. And, and I know that I wouldn't, you know, both in a, you know, in a very practical way of all the stuff that we're talking about mm-hmm. and in a way of just galvanizing my own aesthetic right i wouldn't be able to be doing what i'm doing right now if i had not had the the incredibly fortunate opportunity of working with uh with the navy band for that long hmm.
0: when you went into the navy decades ago i was uh, really young and i i thought that's so strange he's a jazz musician and i had these um this immature understanding of of what that meant. And I remember thinking that jazz was so, because you were a jazz musician, that meant that everything about your life had to be independent and individual. And the idea of you going into a a huge organization with strict rules Mm -hmm. was um, bizarre to me. And I had a very difficult time at first understanding how this could possibly work. And I thought, "Oh, you're not going to
1: last." <laughs> there were days I thought that too. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and I, and I, you know, if if I'm going to be honest, there there are challenges that go Yeah. That those kinds of specific things that you're talking about, those are challenges. And there are challenges that I struggled with um, throughout the time I was I was in that in that band.
0: But when I was. Also, though, when I was 20, I didn't understand how the music and the, the actual music that you made aren't necessarily everything about you. Sure. And I also didn't understand how how the actual music the can change, and in the end, the art you make is the same, no matter what the label is. Right
1: anyway. And that, that's the thing. I mean, if, if we go through our whole lives, either, you know, either talking about our artistic life or just our life, Mm -hmm. thinking that we're going to be the same person that we are when we're 20 or 21, when we're beginning, beginning our adult life.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, I don't know. I think that would be sad. I think that would be sad if, uh, if you never developed Beyond your limited aesthetic and worldview that you have when you're 20 or 21, I think. Yeah. I think that would be unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of the things that at at 20 and 21, I could I could enumerate a list of things that I did not care about at all. Right. That now I care about. It's it's an interesting idea. Um, You know, I was. I was very and you'll you'll probably remember this from, from when we uh when we shared a house in school. Um I was very hyper focused on, you know, a very small sliver of 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 music. Yeah. You know, I, I was very, very focused on very specific things. Um, and, you know, I didn't have any time for things that were outside of that world and right in, in fact I you know looking back at some at the way I thought about it and, and probably the way I spoke about it I probably was probably you know a little bit a little bit of a jerk about it but <laughs> the, the funny part now is a lot of the things that I, I get great joy from listening to and performing are things that I would have just completely dismissed 20 or 21 right you know it's a funny thing because i i I think what we learn and again, i don't want to speak for you or for anybody else but i think I i guess what i think i learned is that um anything that takes you outside of your comfort zone has value yeah whether you know whether or not it's within a particular aesthetic that you that you um claim to work in or that you want to limit yourself to or whatever. I a perfect example is a uh, is jobbing.
0: Jobbing. Can you explain that? Yeah,
1: it, it, it it's a it's kind of a regional term mm-hmm. that exists here. It's things like corporate gigs, wedding gigs, mm-hmm. et cetera. You know, these the the types of things that, you know, are not maybe not as artistically fulfilling as as other things could be in what we do they're very it's 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 commerce it's not art i it's, suppose that
0: it. that's yeah that's great yeah
1: mm-hmm. um and you know it's something that a lot of us do to you know varying extents and you know a lot of us you know kind of sometimes might roll our eyes at it a little bit or whatever but here's the thing if if i can keep myself in a into in an objective place and think about okay there's there's something on this particular date that's gonna force me outside of my comfort zone artistically. Yeah. And it could be something as simple as, I don't know, an articulation or something. I mean like it can be like an incredibly minuscule thing. Okay. But there's gonna be something that I can find in having to do this work that I can't do. Okay. And Okay, so there's something that I can take from this 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 gig that I might roll my eyes at but at the same time, well, you're not you're not making it on, on this level and that you're not you know playing that articulation correctly or you're not playing this style exactly right or you know you're not playing with the right, with the right kind of timbre for this style of music or whatever, you know, right. it'd be very easy to just blow that off and say, Oh, it's just jobbing day, it doesn't matter. But at the same time, to really force yourself artistically out of your comfort zones, okay, and you know, this is something I can't do. Yeah. And, you know, how can I how can I move to a point where I can do that? And I still struggle with it, you know, it's it's something I have to I have to remind myself of yeah. a lot in those types of situations. Otherwise yeah. it's it's very easy to to just get dismissive of things like that, right? Um, I'll share one other story. It's kind of along these same lines, and this was a this is a something that happened when I was when I was in service. Um, we were doing, and it's really funny how closely service bands and jobbing bands mirror each other, and hmm. the kinds of things that they do, and the kinds of work that they do, and everything. But um, we were playing for something, and, and the, it was a it was a wind ensemble performance, and for whatever reason, we were doing "Pomp and Circumstance." I think it was for like a military graduation ceremony or something like that. And it's the 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 trio section of the Elgar, where that we all know as the graduation song. Okay.
0: Can I interrupt? Yes. I for anybody who has never played this piece, um, people who do play this piece have played it many, many, many
1: <laughs> times. Yes. And the, the part I was playing at the time was it was nothing but the quarter notes. Just uh-huh, the motor. Yep. <laughs> bob, bop, bob, bob, And, you know, fifteen minutes have gone by it's just constantly, over and over and over again. And, you know, I figured, you know, at that particular moment, it was it was a pretty important moment for me because this happened in real time as I was playing in, in this situation. Okay. It's like I could go one of two ways with this. I could get really, really dark.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Or I can say, all right, what can I learn from this? Yeah. You know, what can I learn? I'm, I'm here. I'm in this situation. I can't get up and leave. I You know, th- no. this is <laughs> what I'm doing. Um, what can I take away from this? So I, begin, I began to get really hyper-focused on... Okay, can I make the taper exactly the same on ah. each one of those corner notes? Can you know how how precise can I make this? And it and you know it 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 made the day go a little bit better, but at the same time it turned something that c- could have been a very very mundane gig right. into a situation where okay I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and I'm going to try to you know use this to develop my own work.
0: You have been listening to the Art Lives podcast. Thanks to Greg Dzinski for talking to me. The next episode of Art Lives will be the second part of my talk with Greg. You can find Greg's work online at gregorydzinski.com, which is G R E G O R Y D U D Z I E N S K I. You can also find his work on Bandcamp or Amazon. Right now, we're listening to a tune called Mr. Bridge. From Greg's album La Luna. I have posted Greg's links to the Art Lives page of my website, which is elizabethdelamater.com. While you're there, please subscribe to the RSS feed or go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe there. And please rate us also, that would be super helpful. My deep gratitude to Bill Salek and special thanks to composer Nicholas Myers for the use of the opening music. And thank you so much for listening to Art Lives.